Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Cannon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Canon, an Espionation blog covering your Columbus Blue Jackets. I'm your host, PD, and I'm joined from vacation by Berkus Circus. How's it going, man? Good. Uh, been a while since I've been on. Uh, we're, I guess we're doing a beach episode this week, but yeah, uh, I'm broadcasting live from Holden Beach, North Carolina. Fully in off-season mode because we are officially in the NHL off-season. Uh, you do still have, now, unfortunately, you know, Podcast is an audio medium, but Berkus has some tremendous hockey here. This is uh, it is it is like vintage Yaramir Yager. It is super impressive flow. Um, but so let's talk about the last bit of hockey that we got on Sunday night. The Colorado Avalanche clinched the series, clinched the cup. What was your what was your impression of that series, or just the entire postseason run for the Abs? Um, yeah, I didn't really get to watch uh, the Abs until the final and even then it was i think it was game one and then four through six but still they they looked good like the fact the way they shut down tampa in that third period uh yesterday that was impressive i haven't seen tampa look that i don't want to say inept but (laughs) unable to generate anything since like this week yeah because that's you know tampa is usually they find a way to score. Even sometimes when they're not getting yeah. that many chances, they make the most of the chances they get. But Colorado was giving them zero chances. It honestly, mm-hmm. it, it seemed to me like Colorado was out Tampaing Tampa because normally that's yeah. what Tampa has done to other teams the last few years. When it comes to an elimination game, the Tampa just mm-hmm. shuts them down, and that's what Colorado did to them this time. Yeah, it's really uh, it, it was really impressive to see, and congratulations to. The Avs on winning, uh, I think this is their third one, right? Yeah. First one since I was born. Uh, <laughs> <but> <laughs> yeah, although although I got to say, like, Bill Daly, when he was presenting the Cup, was like, oh, Avs fans, it's been 21 long years. And I'm like, oh, shut up. <laughs> yeah. I root for so many teams that have waited so much longer than 21 years for a title. So I think we can cool out on the whole long time thing. But, yeah, That's... I guess for, yeah, for your perspective, that does seem like a long time. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Unless you're, but I also think that unless you are either the Maple Leafs or haven't won one, you don't get to complain. Right, exactly. Yeah. So I guess we get to complain. <laughs> yeah, and you know, uh, I guess we have to give credit to the 
Columbus connections that Colorado had. So Chris McFarland is a former Columbus front office guy who joined the Avs a few years back. Uh, Jared Bednar, of course, coached the Lake Erie Monsters to the Calder Cup. And then Jack Johnson and Ryan Murray were both on the Avs this season. Jack Johnson actually got to play in the Stanley Cup final. He had never gotten past the first round before in his career, and now he hoists the Stanley Cup. What do you think about that? I mean, it's pretty wild. I mean, he's a fun guy to rib on uh, mm-hmm. just in terms of, you know, just the way he left and all the, that. But, I mean, it's good to see the guy. He's a real workhorse. He's a great locker room guy from what we know, from, you know, how he turned around this franchise, basically. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's good to see. Um, nice to see Murray. He was on the ice for that at least. Uh, I don't know if he played game six. I didn't but it's nice to see him, you know, also get it, uh, also another long time defenseman. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, and the Johnson thing, he became such an easy punching bag because, you know, he played so poorly his last season here. And then, you know, he made those comments, which I think were maybe blown out of proportion. I don't think he meant anything bad about Columbus, but, you know, he talked about the winning culture in Pittsburgh and then played poorly for them they had less success those two years than Columbus had, Um, you know, then he was a disaster in New York as well. And um, I, you know, I, I, I think maybe we took a little too much glee in all of that, you know, because he's not a bad dude. Um, And I think, and honestly, it's a great story this year because I think he thought that he was nearly at the end of his career. Like he wasn't getting any contract offers. He got a tryout deal. So he came into camp, earned a spot on the team, um, you know, was able to play, was able to play his thousandth game, you know, which is a great milestone to be able to hit for any player. And then, you know, was not in the lineup to start the playoffs, but then Gerard got hurt and all of a sudden, you know, they need to go to Johnson. And honestly, from what I saw, like he didn't play that badly, you know, and I, I think know. Colorado has such a good system that he was able to thrive in it, but still that's, you know, he was not a liability out there. Yeah, uh, I only saw like one turnover. I think it was game five. That was kind of bad. But beyond that, he was uh, either invisible or looking good, which based on his the last season of, that we had here is really impressive for him. Well, and, and for a third pair defenseman, if you're invisible, you're doing your job, right? Yes. You, know, you don't want to see the third defenseman, uh, the third pair defenseman. I think Colorado, one thing that's so good about them is that they find these players like him and mm-hmm put them in a position to succeed. They never ask too much of any player. They find the right players for the right roles. I think that they have, you know, they identified their core players and they have some really, really great core players to be clear. Like McKinnon and McCarr are phenomenal athletes and phenomenal Mm -hmm. hockey players. But then other guys that they've had, they've had good players come and go, but they've been willing to let go rather than overpay them or anything. And then they've made savvy trades to get a, a cadre or a taze that they can plug in as complementary players for the stars on their core, you know? Yeah. The fact that Taze stopped in two second rounders should be illegal. Like they should have to give the Islanders like three more firsts given how good that trade went. Like <laughs> it's like Joe Sackett's a wizard. The Gusane trade too. Yeah. He's been knocking around of the ballpark almost as well as Jarzeman has. So, yeah. Well, honestly, I, I feel like Sakic's actually better than Eiserman because there's a little bit more proof of concept to what he has done. Um, you know, sure. I would argue that 
you know, certainly Eisenman built the core in Tampa, but Breezebaugh made the last few tweaks that was able to take Tampa over the top there, you know, which Eisenman didn't do in his time. Um, but I Not think why. I completely yeah. forgot that Eisenman went to Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's in the, the rebuild in Detroit, you know, people are like, oh, you know, trust Stevie Y and he's, you know, he's doing building the right way. But like, I feel like it's still taking a bit longer than it has to, you know, like I think they could have gotten a little bit better, a little bit sooner than this. Now I could be eating my words a year from now. They could be a playoff team next year. Who knows? But I don't know. I feel like it's, it's taking a little bit longer than, than it had to. Yeah. Well, the last time, the last few times Colorado won the cup, Detroit won the year after. So Uh, maybe this was all part of his master plan. Maybe, maybe, uh, Breeze Ball was was tanking just to taking the finals just so that uh, that could happen. I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, one one last point I want to make too. I think both Tampa and Colorado also proved that there is um, value in trusting the process. Both of these teams had some uh, you know early playoff upsets and disappointing finishes to seasons, and there would have been pressure to blow it up or make some dramatic changes, but. They mm-hmm. stuck with their coach. They stuck with their core and just made, you know, little tweaks around the edge and were rewarded for it. So I think that speaks to any team out there that, you know, has identified their core, knows what their identity is, and then it's just a matter of sticking with that and making little tweaks as it goes along. So, um, you know, maybe the jack are the Jackets on the right path? Do they have their core? Are they building their core? You know, is they on a path that they just need to stick to the process? Yeah, I mean, that's the point of the process is that if you trust the process and execute the process, then you eventually become cup champion. Uh, It's just, you know, it takes a, it can take a bit and it's a lot of steps where you can get tripped up. Um, But so far, I mean, the Jones trade has worked out wonderfully. Uh, Cole Sillinger looked like a stud. Uh, Mick Blankenberg could end up being a steal. And then we got Lion A, we got Voracek, Bjorkstrand, Wierenski. I, I think we're on a very good path. Now, going over that final hump is the hardest part. I think that becomes more of a question once you start consistently making the playoffs and winning rounds. But for now, I think we're, we're doing really well. Yeah, and I also think of all those guys you listed, not all of them will be part of the core. So I think Next season, a big thing is going to be figuring out which one, which of those guys are truly the ones worth building around. Because even a guy like Bjorkstrand, who I love, you know, maybe his timeline isn't right for it. You know, maybe he's a guy that can be dealt for another piece at some point, um, if if that's what it takes. Um, you know, not all of these prospects are going to be the ones that are, you know, untouchable. So I think yeah. next year will be a case. Because I think that core can really only be two or three or four guys, you know, that you really can't move. Everyone else can be moved for something if it comes to, to it. Yeah, that could be a bit of a hard decision to make. Personally, I'd very much prefer if Voracek and Wierenski don't get traded. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, if you end know, up being able to trade Voracek for – I don't know, Ovechkin or something, then yeah, you do that trade. Yeah, well, and I don't and I don't think that you necessarily trade for a check, but he's a guy that when he comes to the end of his contract, 
that just maybe there won't be room to keep him around at that point because there will be enough yeah. young guys that will take his spot. That kind of, you know, and it's not that Colorado has necessarily traded so many guys away, but there have been guys like Brandon Sod or Philip Grubauer who were good players for them but got more money elsewhere, and it just wasn't worth Colorado to match that amount. Yeah, they know when to hold them and know when to fold them. Exactly, exactly. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Well, speaking of young players, uh, next week we have the NHL draft. And if you've been following the canon, we've been posting draft prospect profiles and we'll be continuing to post them uh, you know, through next week, through the draft. So um, through what you have written, through what you have read, um, what prospects uh, are intriguing you the most at this point? In terms of prospects uh i this has always been kind of my weakness is that i'm not very good at following long prospects oh sure which considering i'm a blue jacket fan is probably not the best way <laughs> uh, but uh matthew savoy i think mm-hmm. is really high risk high reward and also he has the same birthday as my sister and the same first name as me so i think it'd be kind of fun if we ended up getting him uh i prefer one of the uh, i think they're both czech but one of the two czech defensemen mm-hmm. Uh, Niemic and you're a Czech, yeah. I think one is Czech, one is Slovak, but yeah, those they intrigue me a lot. Those two guys, yes. Uh, so I prefer we get one of those at six and then hope Savoy comes to 12. 12. That would be my ideal outcome. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we end up with someone like, um, whoever the latest profile is, I forget his name, but I oh, uh, Brad, Brad Lambert, yeah. I wouldn't mind him at 12 uh, if he falls that far. But, you know, once you get past the top six, it really gets hard to project from there. So my ideal ideal outcome would be defenseman at six, center at 12, but I'm cool with whatever. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It, I, as I've been watching the way the mocks and the various rankings have sorted out, I feel like, um, you know, you're definitely going to have right, Slavkovsky and Cooley in the top three. Yes. And then, you know, a lot of things I've seen have those two defensemen in the top five as well. 
So I would love if one of them fell to Columbus, but I'm worried that both of them will be off the board by that point, which is too bad because they're both like big, physical, right-handed defensemen with some puck skills and everything. Like that's just like perfect for what we need. And I, I like the defenseman that we've added in the pipeline, but those guys could be really special. Now, if they're off the board though, the other defensemen in the top 15 or so of the draft, they aren't, they maybe aren't as appealing to me because they're all left-handed shots. They're all more offensively gifted yeah. than defensively. So, yeah. I mean, they, they would be good for us certainly, but they feel like less of an ad than, you know, maybe some of the centers that would be on the board at that point. Yeah. That's, that's my thinking too. Um, I, I think, you know, I, I, I feel like there's a lot of talk typically of, you know, are we going to trade up? Are we going to trade down? I feel like if there's a t- team in a year for that to happen, because it doesn't really happen that often, I think the Blue Jackets might this year. I could see mm. them trading up to four or five to make sure they get one of those defensemen. And I can see them uh, trading back uh, either from six or from 12. If those, uh, or even just trading the picks altogether, if those defensemen aren't available or if they don't have anyone they super like at 12. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's a very, this is a very interesting draft, almost more interesting than last year because last year was a lot deeper. Uh, I think the lack of depth actually makes it a bit more interesting because at that point there's more possibilities as to what Yarmo may end up doing. For sure. I think my, my hope is that at the end of fri- of that Thursday night, that we have that we come away with two players. Now that can either be two players that we've drafted, or a player we've drafted, and then maybe a player that we have traded for with one of the picks. Because um, it's certainly possible that Yarmo uses one of these picks as an asset in a trade for a current NHL player or NHL ready prospect that can be plugged in immediately. Um, yeah. I think that's another option in in a year like this where, you know, and I don't think that it's a bad class necessarily. I think there's a lot of talent in these lottery picks, but a lot of these players have question marks. You know, it's yeah. like, oh, well, this is a guy with great skill, but he's a bit undersized for his position. Or this is a guy that has, you know, a really great shot but his scoring production hasn't quite lived up to it yet. You know, there are all these, you know, there's things that are really intriguing and, and me, Oh, we'd love to have this, but then there are enough red flags of like, Oh, this, this is why he may not work out in the NHL. I think that's what makes it. This is going to be a very much of a, where the GM shine, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Separated from the ant ones. And hopefully another Gilbert Brule or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yarmo had a statement, I think at the start of the offseason where he was asked about the draft and about it, you know, not being as good of a draft. And he said something to the effect of, you know, well, we're going to make it a good draft or we're going to make it a deep draft. So, you know, basically being, you know, we're going to find good players at each of our picks if we can. Yes. And that's the goal. If we got came out of it with two centers, would you be OK with that? Yeah, probably. I feel like we have a lot of centers that are. Or I would prefer, I would very much prefer having defensemen mm-hmm. uh, because, um, you know, uh, we down this middle, we have whatever, we have Cylinder, Rosovic, uh, Jenner, kind of, uh, Corrali, Danforth has been good, 
and then we have a bunch of other prospects too, mm-hmm. uh, or at least a fair number that could be NHL ready. Uh, Johnson is possibly think, still, yeah. maybe a center. Texier, I think, has played center. Right. Uh, so we have a lot more options there than we do on D right now. I, it, my ideal world would be one of each, but mm-hmm. I won't be like storming down the doors of nationwide if we end up with two centers. Like at the end of the day, you take the best player available, and it's only you go to position only if it's close. I trust Yarmo, and Yarmo we trust. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, we have I think a, a big number of defensemen that'll be in Cleveland. And yeah. so I'm curious to see if any of those guys can make the leap. Um, I also don't know what Yarmo will do in terms of, you know, will we go into the season with the same defenseman that we had this season or will, will he move some of those? Like, will he move, say, a Jake Bean for some reason? You know, but uh, if he doesn't make the moves, then we have a lot of quantity in the defensive pipeline at this point. Yeah. You know, it's just the quality there. And then for, I don't I still feel like we could use more talent at the center position, you know, guys yeah. with like high end number one center potential. Um, I'm still not sold on Johnson being a center, but, and yeah. also, you know, some of these center prospects are guys that either have been playing both center and wing or, you know, there's, Oh, well, we think he can be a center at the NHL level. And um, which makes me a little nervous. Although I think if you draft enough of those guys, then the chance of at least one of them working out and sticking as a center is is high and then the others if even if they're just like oh they're productive top six wing well okay well that's still there's still value to that uh yeah i think like i said you just pick the best player you can and only go to positions if it's close but uh yeah there's a lot of there's almost too many possibilities <laughs> at this point so we'll get a lot more clarity on thursday it's weird that the draft's on a thursday yeah, yeah. Last year they did a Friday, Saturday. I don't know why they're doing a Thursday, Friday. This I know. Year. That's really and, odd. Like, I feel like your three preferred options would be Saturday, Sunday, Friday, Saturday, and then I yeah. guess do Thursday, Friday. But I don't, I don't know. ESPN's weird. Yeah, and, and and such and such a quick turnaround from the Cup final too, which is a little weird getting used to. But all right, well that'll do it for us this week. Thanks for listening, and um, I don't know if we'll have an episode next week or not, but. Um, If not, we'll catch you after the draft as we get ready for then free agency, which will come up right after that. It's going to be very exciting. So big off season ahead. So thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. For more content from the Canon, go to jacketscanon.com. You can also follow the Canon on Facebook and on Twitter at CBJ Canon. If you like this podcast, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Purley and the Howlin' Moons. Go to AngelaPurley.com for more music and show dates.